part of the Christmas tree, right? Anybody else's favorite part? The candy canes? I mean, the one thing, I mean, first thing, food is awesome, right? You love food, so why not put it on the Christmas tree, right? We can pull it off every time, eat it. And I don't know about you, but the peppermint ones, I can never finish, so my dogs get the rest of the peppermint ones. If Josie lets me, if I can sneak it real fast. But I like the flavored ones. But the symbol, the, the symbol behind the candy cane is the good shepherd. I want to read John chapter 10, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrificed his life for the sheep. Now, what's cool, once I started studying that scripture verse out, I looked up the word good. We all have an idea what good means. Now, in the Greek, there was two Greek words that they used in the New Testament for it. And the, the one that was used here was called kalos. Good which means a beautiful and yet firm good, both morally and literally, in action. Also valuable and virtuous, fair, honest, and worthy. See, the other Greek word for good there was agathis, which means good, just good. That's all, like, for a person, place, or a thing, or a noun. So when Jesus was talking about, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, I am the beautiful, I'm both morally and literally right, I'm very valuable, and I'm honest, and I'm worthy as the shepherd. There's many good shepherds, because in the Bible, a shepherd represents the overseer, a pastor, a teacher. Like, we have many good uh, uh, shepherds here, Pastor Neil, Pastor Brenda. We um, Even, you guys know Dr. Leon or Pastor Dave Williams? All awesome and good pastors, right? Um, but Jesus is the one that picks equips and commissions the good leaders. Uh, I want to read this. It says, It should be understood that Jesus is the good shepherd, not a good shepherd, as others may be, but he is unique in character. Each one of our good leaders here gets their resources from Jesus. Am I wrong? You guys get your resources from Jesus, right? And, uh, We've been on a series Thursday nights called The Overflow. And what The Overflow is living a life of obedience. And once you do that, heaven opens up, pours its blessing on us, right? It fills us up. And once we continue to be obedient, we start overflowing to where we can bless others around us. And that's what we've been talking about on Thursday nights. I want to look at that too real fast. Um, In Malachi 3 verse 10. I'll give you guys a second turn there because we're going to sit there for a few seconds. Malachi, if you guys brought your Bibles, 3 verse 10. And we're going to be reading out the New Living Translation. Malachi 3.10. And it says this. For those who don't know where Malachi is, the last book in the Old Testament before Matthews. You're welcome. (laughs) Malachi 3.10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens, of armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out the blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. A few things there. It says windows. So there's more than one window in heaven. And then the second thing, it talks about you won't have enough room to take it all in. What's that? That's overflow in your life. So think about this. Heavens, once you bring the tithe and test God in this, he opens up the window. You determine how many windows you want opening up. 
And then all of a sudden he's going to pour down, the resources of heaven is going to pour down to you, so then your overflow is able to bless other people in it. Another translation says, uses the word floodgates. It's in the NIV translation. It says floodgates, and it, it does even floodgates. Uh, different, um, I think, uh, people or different, like, lawyers use the word floodgates. Also, people who work on dams use the floodgates. It's understood that it's the last restraint to open to let something through, and this is what it means, a last restraint holding back an outpouring of something powerful or substantial. So you determine how great your blessing is by how much you are willing to invest. You want more windows open? Then invest more. <clears throat> In uh, Matthew 25, I'm not going to read it, but you guys can write it down, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, it talks about there is, uh, there's a boss, there's three servants, and then the boss gives each servant amount of money or a, a talent or a resource, however you want to look at it. And then the boss leaves. Two of the servants invest it. Um, and the other one's like, ah, I'm afraid that if weapons, if I lose it, and he buries it. And then when the boss comes back, they quickly, the three servants went and got, pulled all their money back. The third servant dug it up. And, you know, the boss asked, hey, uh, how did you handle the resources I gave you? The first servant gave back a whole bunch more. The second servant gave back more. And then the third servant was like, I'm just giving you back what you gave me. I didn't do anything with it because I was afraid of losing it. And this is what happens. Matthew 25, verse 29, it says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Abundance. That's overflow. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So if you're not using what God has given you, what the good shepherd has given you, he's going to take it away and give it to someone who is going to use it. But if you choose to use it and be obedient, abundance, you're going to be living in an overflow. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper in this verse. As uh, Pastor Neil always says, I need you guys to open up your spiritual eyes for a second. Because we're going to go a little deeper. I'm going to read Malachi 3.10 again. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouses so there will be enough food in my temple. Now, I want to look at the word food there. And I want to look at what Jesus calls food. Matthew 4.4, 4, it says, but Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When Jesus said that, he was quoting uh, Deuteronomy 8.3, and that's where I want to go because I feel like it really describes what Jesus was talking about. And it says in Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, Yes, we humble, we are humbled by letting you go hungry and feeding you with manna, a food previous unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that the people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, when I read that, I'm thinking, whoa, God opened up his mouth and just manna fell out? No, I believe that God told the Israelites that, hey, I'm going to provide for you, and if you're obedient to me, you're going to experience overflow. You're going to experience um, food. So I believe that uh, what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about food, that we don't, it's not, ju it's not just bread, it's not just pizza, it's not just the 
things that we consume, but food is also whatever comes from God's mouth, whatever God has called you to be, whatever um, circumstance you're in, whether it's bad or good, whatever God says about that circumstance will be your food to get through that circumstance. Um, for example, Amy, I'll use you, that God has called Amy to be a worship pastor or a worship leader, right? So that is food for Amy, that God, that when she goes through troubled times, when she feels like she's down and that she's terrible or whatnot, she can hold on to the word that God gave her to get through that circumstance. Um, so I'm going to read Malachi 3, verse 10 again. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food or resources or the gifts that God has given you, the talents that God has given you in my temple. Now, some of you are thinking real fast, tithes. He's talking about tithes. He's not talking about talents. He's not talking about resources. But let's look at the biblical definition of what tithe is. And the biblical definition, it doesn't, when you say tithe, it doesn't line up, it doesn't mean money. It means this. It, I'm not going to give you the Greek word because there is like, it's weird. It was a sentence. It was a, and I'm not going to try speaking Hebrew up here. But it means a, a percentage of something or a part of the whole. Now, don't get me wrong. Later, I mean, it does, when it applied to your finances, it's 10% of your finances is the tithe. But when you're talking about your talents, when you're talking about your resources, talk about your gifts, it's a part of what God has given you. Um... I think it was, let's see, two weeks ago, we t in youth group, I think it was week two, we talked about stewardship and the four principles behind stewardship. And uh, the four principles were ownership, responsibility, accountability, and reward. And with that being said, so God has, gi God has given you resources, right? And what we said is in ownership and stewardship is just like the story in Matthew chapter 25 when the boss gave them their resources, whose was it? It wasn't theirs. It was the boss's, right, who gave it. So it was his resources. So as Christians and non-Christians, um, the, the things, the gifts that are in your life are God's. He has ownership of everything in your life. That's kind of hard to take sometimes. It's like the clothes you're wearing, if God says give it, well, it's his. He could say give it. Everything that you have belongs to God. The second principle, though, in stewardship was responsibility. Even though God owns it all, he's giving you the responsibility to handle it. And then later he holds you accountable to it, and depending on how you handle it, rewards. Which we see in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, like I said, the, the talents. So tithe is a part of what we have. Doesn't necessarily mean money. Doesn't necessarily mean, um, yeah, money. So it could mean think about everything you own is God's, right? So what when it says, let's see here, bring all the tithes, bring everything you have into the storehouse, so that you will be enough food, resources, or gifts in my temple. For example. What happens if Amy didn't bring her gift or Crystal didn't bring her gift? What happens if Pastor Brenda or Pastor Neil didn't bring their gifts here to church? We want to have church, right? We want to be enjoying a worship team. We want to be enjoying a message. We want to be able to enjoy teaching, right? What's cool about it is even though, like for me, this uh, for this message, it took 
hours to prepare, but you guys don't see all the hours, right? You only see a part of what I, the study time I put into this message. So I'm bringing what God has told me to bring to this temple so that when, that, when I do that, the windows of heaven, the floodgates open up, depending on how much of my resource I'm going to bring to him, and it's going to flow into my life. So if I want to be a better leader, I better bring leadership to his temple, to his church. If I want to be a better musician, I better bring my skills to the church. If I want to be a better speaker, I better bring my skill to the church so that the floodgates will open up and flow into our lives. So then after that, it says then we'll have so much more that's overflowing into other people's lives. It's kind of like an iceberg. You only see 10, is it 10 or 15%, right, above water, and the rest of it's all underneath it. Just like when, like I said, like right now, I'm probably going to, some of you guys might celebrate, I don't know. You're going to get 30 minutes out of me today. But I took a couple hours to prepare. You could ask Josie, yesterday I was even more pre- preparing. On the way here, I was going through my notes. But like I said, you're only going to get a half an hour. I won't be up here for hours in and out. Do that for you guys. So each one of the good leaders here in the church, or that have come in church, like Pastor Dave Williams, all their resources are from Jesus, the overflow from Jesus to them. I want to look at some of the characters of the good shepherd. So remember, Jesus is the good shepherd. There is other good shepherds, but he is the good shepherd with uh, unique characters. So I want to look at some of the Characters of the Good Shepherd. Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name, even when I walk through the darkness valley. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of the enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me for all my days of my life and all I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is kind of cool, actually. Uh, When it says uh, overflows there with blessings, he was overflowed. Also, you know, King David is also in, again, so much blessing. It's overflowing, it's saying, right? How, though? What was the key to him experiencing that overflow? The same uh, Paul, I don't know if you guys, some of you guys might have read it on Facebook. I posted this, but Paul was also experiencing overflow in prison. When he writes the book of Philippians, he, he's in prison. He, I mean, I don't know about you. But, like, in prison back then isn't like prison nowadays. Prison nowadays is like five-star hotels compared to back then. They were in a dungeon. They poop and peed right in their cell. I mean, imagine that. Paul could be chained up. Someone right next to him could be doing it, you know, peeing. And it's kind of running. Be like, man, stop it. Jeez, get on me. Right? It could be peeing against the wall, splattering all over the place. Man, stop it. Right? Not five-star quality. Well, this is what he says, and if you read Philippians, throughout Philippians, he's, he has so much joy. He has so much, uh, he feels so blessed, and he found the key that the 
King David found, which is, I, for, and he says Philippians, in Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So the keys that they found, notice up above in Psalms 23, King David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. When you make Jesus your shepherd of your life, the overseer of your life, you'll have all you need. See, King David and Paul were content with what they had because with what they had was in Jesus Christ, which is all that they need. So they, and through that, they experienced the overflow life, which then was able to overflow into other people's. Some more characteristics of the Good Shepherd, Hebrews 13, 20, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. 1 Peter 2, 25. Once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So the symbol of the candy cane reminds us that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who guards, protects, provides, chooses, equips, commissions, and crowns us with the glory by the shedding of his blood. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool, just in the candy cane. Can you imagine ready for the others? Yeah. We're going to look at the colors of the bulbs now, which a lot of us know. I mean, red, blood. And it's Hebrews 9.22. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgives our sins. So every time you see the, the color red on the Christmas tree, you can remember that's the blood that Jesus shed for our lives. Green, if just rather Christmas tree or the lights on it, <clears throat> everlasting life. Psalms 52, verse 8 says, But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. Isaiah 43, 18 through 21. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wastelands. Why would they need rivers in the dry uh, wastelands? Because it was brown, right? When there's green, it shows life. So it needs water. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls, too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wastelands so my chosen people can be refreshed. I've made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. White. Sins uh, represents our sins that were washed from the blood. Isaiah verse 1 through 18, it says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Through your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Through they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. So every time you see the color white on the Christmas tree, you can remember that it's by his blood, now I'm as white as snow. Blue represents devotion, and uh, orange and gold, the gift from the king. So now I want to look at the light, though, that lights them up. 
John 8, 12. And it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the light in each one of those colors. And without the light, they don't shine, right? Without Jesus, there is no shedding of the blood. Without no shedding of the blood, there is no wiping of our sins, right? Orange being the gift from the Father, which is Jesus Christ, offering us eternal life, which is the green, which then by the shedding of the blood, which is red, which makes us white as snow, which is the white, which then through that we can have a daily devotion, blue with God. You can't have any of that without the light. Last thing, and then this one was kind of hard for me to, and I, I, you know, I started Googling it, and I couldn't find anything on Google or for the tinsel. Am I saying that right? Tinsel? You guys know the tinsel, the thing that you wrap around it? I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden, God gave me something. It was pretty cool. Tinsel? Is it, yeah, tinsel is that. A lot of people don't like it. My wife said, why are we putting that on? I'm like, oh, I love this stuff, though. But the tinsel represents the stripes on Jesus' back. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5. And he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the uh, deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he cared. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought he, his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, and was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. And some translation says, and by his stripes we are healed. You guys want to play that video? He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds, by His wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice. Let the life that you gave, we are healed. By your grace we are saved, we are saved. He was pierced for our transgressions, and crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, by his wounds we are here.
where everything that, who you were, used to be, your bad life, maybe the drugs you did, the anxiety that you had, the depression that you have, you're going to lay it before Jesus. And if you want to accept him into your life for the very first time, raise your hand right now. You guys can put those hands down. Now, maybe you accepted Christ before and you want to rededicate your life. Um, just like Peter, when he, he walked on water, his focus was on Jesus. But then all of a sudden he started focusing on his circumstances that were around him and he fell into the water. But Jesus was right there ready to reach for him to pull him out. And once he looked back at Christ, he was able to walk on water and he was able to rise above his circumstances. Maybe you have fallen uh, sin. Maybe you've fallen into your circumstances around you and you've taken your focus off of Christ and you want to push your focus back on him and rededicate your life. Raise your hand right now. You guys can put those hands down. I'm going to wait a little bit longer because I want to make sure because you never know when your life's going to end. You never know when God's going to come back just like in Matthew chapter 25 when the boss came back. They didn't know when the boss was going to come back. We don't know when God's going to come back. And And is your life ready for when God comes back. So if you want to accept Christ into your life right now, raise your hand. You guys can put those hands down. Now, I always like to speak to the Christians as well, is if you want more of God, raise your hand right now. You just want to be like, Lord, I want to have a better focus. I want to do more for you. I don't want to be timid. I want to shout from the rooftops and proclaim your name. Raise your hand right now. You guys put those hands down. And what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer together. Because in Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10, it says, I'm just going to sum it up real fast. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, man, wrong one. Sorry, guys. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Now, that verse right there is not just talking for salvation. It's not just talking about healing. is isn't just talking about um, physical or mental wholesome. It's talking about all three at once. So we're going to say this prayer together, and by declaring that Jesus is Lord, we're going to start a relationship with Christ. We're going to break off bondages in our life. We're going to break off addictions in our life. Because we're going to put God first. We're going to be like King David and Paul. We're going to be content in Christ Jesus. So repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to go to the grave, to come out of the grave for all my sins, my junk, depression, anxiety, all of it. I give you the praise. I give you honor for your son. In Jesus' my name. Amen. All right, if I can have the prayer team come up. Um, if you said that prayer, we have books for you up here. And maybe you're going through something right now and you just want prayer. You guys can, 